Good afternoon. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation. The podcast is brought to you by the Del Norte County Office of Education and Del Norte County Unified School District. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Jeff Harris. I'm the superintendent of schools for Del Norte. And today we are going to be talking a lot about our um, social emotional curriculum. Uh, We'll be talking about mental health resources And we'll also be talking about some upcoming events that we want everybody in our community to know about and you can be a part of. So uh, joining me today, I have Lisa Howard, our MTSS specialist. Thank you. Taryn Musbach, our culture and climate coach. Good afternoon. We were just talking about whether or not that was a made up title, but (laughs) she's had that title now for several years. And Nick LaFazio, our program specialist for special education. Thank you. So um, just to kind of start it off, I think one of the one of the things that we've done for a long time in our district is we've pieced things together. Um, and throughout COVID, even before COVID, we started talking and Taryn, I think that's when you were hired right on the culture climate component was how do we really look at comprehensive systems of social emotional learning what does it look like to teach our kids everything from how to uh, positively interact with their peers to how to avoid bullying, um, even into the adults? How do we more effectively teach students while we understand, you know, kind of what's going on with them um, in a, through a social emotional lens? And then how do we build this out to our community? Because what a lot of folks may not really think about is when you deal with children, um, it takes a different approach. Right. I'm going to deal with Nick very differently than I might deal with the kindergartner or maybe not. It just depends on the day. Right, Nick? It depends. Yeah. (laughs) So. um, So why don't we start? Let's talk a little bit as we go into this year. Um, And all three of you have really been engaged in this process. So I'm just going to open it up for conversation. Let's talk a little bit about our curriculum. The, the, the social emotional learning curriculum that we're going to have available in our schools. Uh, I know some of it we've already done. We've already been dabbling in. We've already done to some great extents in particular grade levels. But what's it look like coming up? Well, by grade span, we have preschool through second grade that have done uh, conscious dis- discipline training uh, over August and back in June. Uh, And that really deals with trauma-informed social-emotional learning practices for children in the classroom so that they can have a soft start with morning circle and really grouping together and getting the mindset ready to learn. And it helps both students and staff set the stage for learning. And then in third through fifth grade, we have Sources of Strength curriculum, and they were trained back in April Um, And that is a full-on curriculum that is super supportive around the eight protective factors. And we're really looking forward to that because it blends so nicely with the conscious discipline. So as kids move up from pre-K to up into grades three through five, you'll see a nice um, blending of those two strategies. And then the last one is second step, and that's sixth through eighth grade. It's an online portal that teachers get to use with their classrooms as well as the school counselors. And so it's super supportive, again, and providing uh, students what they need in order to be successful learners. So, Nick, I I know that you've done conscious discipline training, Mm -hmm. right? And I think the first time we all saw it was when we took a, uh, a trip up to Pendleton. 
to really look at at a school system that was structured around the needs of of children uh, mirrored what we see in our community a lot. Um, but I've also heard teachers say who have gone through the training that it's revolutionized the way that they interact with their class. So what does conscious discipline look like? And again, this is really for kindergarten through second grade. Mm -hmm. And I'd be careful with the way that I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a curriculum. It's a framework of how to approach mm -hmm. every situation that comes up in class and uses those trauma informed practices to really just have a, a safe and protective way to run any lesson right really, really kind of engage a kid yeah. so a lot of times we hear trauma informed does somebody want to tell anybody who might be listening who hasn't heard that phrase before what trauma informed is i think it depends on who you ask um i definitely so i would back up to say conscious discipline um the author is becky bailey and she relies on dr bruce perry for her work so dr bruce perry talks a lot about um how trauma-informed practices really is understanding that our brain works in a sequential order and that often school systems are set up that expect students to be in their thinking brain and that's not respectful of their biology that you know all information has to move from our brain stem through our limbic system into our executive Sorry to throw out all those big words, but <laughs> all of that to say, Dr. Bruce's Perry's general approach, and when we're thinking about trauma-informed practices, these are practices where we understand the biology of our brains, how they develop, and how information needs to be processed in the same order that the brain develops in. Mm -hmm. So that's one, one way you hear about trauma-informed practices. Um, generally, kind of the way that folks talk about them is, you know, an understanding that sometimes youth go through really adverse childhood experiences and those can change our brain and they can change the way we respond in different scenarios. So both are true. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason I'm such a Dr. Bruce Perry nerd is because it's all about the biology of our brains. And this is just how we work as human beings. And a big piece of it is honoring that emotions are a part of being human. There's something we all have to process and navigate and manage. And so teaching and learning about that is important because fundamentally we're humans before we're teachers or students or a superintendent or anybody else. Right. Well, and, and I think, you know, if we, if we kind of throw this back into the broader pool, um, I think we've all had teachers who looked at us at some point and say, okay, guys, let's get ready to learn, right? When you walk in the door of a classroom, you don't walk in going, man, I'm looking forward to doing quadratic equations today. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, math people. That was just an example that popped to my brain. Um, but it really is about getting ready to learn because I think the really important thing, and, and Nick, you talked about how it was a way to approach situations. Taryn, you were talking about it. it's, it's, kind of understand, understanding and acknowledging what's going on, it's not an excuse not to learn. It really is a precondition for learning, yes. right? So the more we focus on how we are interacting as adults with students in our class, and here again, remember, we're talking kindergarten through second grade, um, it it does revolutionize the way a classroom looks. And what what I think we find, Nick, and, and tell me if this isn't the case, we don't see the kind of the adversarial relationship that can happen sometimes when a kid's not ready to learn and yet they're asked to do a task. You don't see that pushback. No, no, it's much more of a holistic approach. When we, we meet kids where they're at, and that's essentially what it is. It, everyone comes in at a different developmental level, at the different um, experiences in their lives. And if we have 
the tools to handle each situation as it comes, you have much less of those behaviors. Yeah. But again, not at the compromise of not learning a grade level yeah. standard, not at the compromise of not learning to read or mm-hmm. do math, right? Yeah. So we move from that, which is really adult-centered. It's how are how are adults interacting with, with students into this more student-centered piece. And Taryn, I, I know you've really done a lot with sources of strength, especially we've seen it at the high school level. We've seen it at the middle school level. I know some of our um, community partners are really embracing it. Talk a little bit about sources of strength and what it looks like in third through, um, is it third through fifth or third through eight? Third through third fifth. Third through fifth? Yeah. Yeah, the third through fifth curriculum. Um, so it's really fun because it introduces students to the brain tree, which talks about the concepts I just shared. You I know, need the to pick something from that. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I can bring you a poster if you want one. Um, so you know, the the entire curriculum centers around the brain tree, and then the eight protective factors that I'm sure folks in the community have seen on the sources of strength. Will. Um, let me see if I can name all the protective factors. And these are the eight protective factors that youth self-report help them when they're mm-hmm. having a hard time. So that's a really exciting part of the research. So they include mental health, physical health, spirituality, family support, positive friends, generosity, healthy activities. I'm missing one. Did I say spirituality? Yes. Okay. It will come to me at some point. Anyhow, eight of, eight of the protective factors. So the first... Um, unit is all about the brain tree and then for the rest of the units they focus on each protective factor and what's so fun about that is each year it's very personal to the students because Mm -hmm. what family support looks like for every student is always different and that's a great way for them to bring their own culture into the classrooms and share it with the classroom community and then those lessons are always tied back into that brain tree concept so students are learning how their brains work and then they're learning how those protective factors can help them manage big emotions um, and, and, and positive, happy emotions, too. So it's, a, it's really more of a self-reflective piece? Yeah, it absolutely has that component, but it has a lot of community pieces, too, like community yeah. building and So talk sharing. a little bit more about that. I mean, so, and again, we always talk about peer pressure. Right. Yeah. I mean, those yes. of us who grew up in the dark ages, it was always about positive. Peer, I'm not looking anybody in the room. <laughs> it, it, we heard about positive peer pressure, negative peer pressure. And that's really what we heard of. But, the, you know, our parents always said, well, you know, watch out who you're listening to. You know, um, how does this interplay with kind of that that building that sense of positive social community and building each other up instead of tearing each other down short of getting rid of all social media? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a great example that you bring up. So I can speak directly to that. So the positive friends unit is going to address all of those components. And, you know, what does it mean to be a positive friend? And how do we know if we're being a positive friend to others? And how do we know if they're not not being positive friends? And then what do we do about that? And one of the reasons I love the curriculum is because, you know, there's this psychological thing we all understand that when somebody tells us not to do something, we do it. So programs around don't bully, kind of what happens is psychologically, we, we kind of do the opposite. Like if we're like, hey, don't click the red button. That's what we all want to do is click the red button. Right. 
So what Source's curriculum does a really good job of is it's not a don't curriculum. It's a do curriculum. It's how do I be a positive friend? How do I encourage my friends to make healthy choices? What do I do to connect somebody to help if I do see bullying? Mm -hmm. So it's a here's what you do when curriculum, and it's a here's how we can build connection curriculum. And it's not a don't, 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 don't curriculum, because what we know is the more we say don't, they do. <laughs> right. Well, and and I think the other thing, too, and well, we'll talk about this in just a second. It, that feeds right in because um, it does. Hopefully it's ingrained in students in third, fourth and fifth grade. Then when they make that transition into sixth, which most of our kids end up going to Crescent Elk, we have uh, good numbers of students at Smith River and Redwood. Um, Mountain, a uh, few at Margaret Keating, but most end up going to uh, Crescent Elk. Then they really kind of dive into the um, second step curriculum, right, Lisa? That's right. So there are proactive strategies when you are faced with a challenging situation, such as bullying or anxiety or whatever you might be feeling. How do I deal with that? You know, as you're getting to be an older person in middle school, we're asking more of you uh, to be independent and to be learning all these individual subjects. So at the same time, I also have to be learning how to be mature within these older situations. And so giving them the tools to be able to proactively solve that problem, right? We want kids to be able when faced with adversity and whatever comes their way in life, that they have a toolbox in which they can carry around with them and be successful. Well, and, and so it's, I think it's really important because if we, this the continuum here of support that that there is in the social emotional learning piece if we're starting off our our youngest students in environments that really understand where they're coming from and how to support them in their learning they then move into these more um uh socially appropriate um and self-reflective lessons that help them understand who they are um, which then, again, builds that confidence to be successful academically and to be successful socially in school. It helps when because you and I have had many conversations. When students flip into sixth grade, for many of them, that's a very difficult um, transition. Yeah, and, that's a pivot point that yeah. most kids struggle with. And whether you're coming from an elementary school to the middle school, or even if you're in a K-8, it is a transformative year. We're asking more of you, and there is a lot more single subject matter that you're going to have to keep track of. Right. You're also you know, physically developing a lot faster than your, your peers of, of younger years. And so there is a lot more asked by adults of you in these years, too. Yeah, well, and, you know, I always said, because I, I taught middle school seven and eighth grade English and and we always said you'd never do really who you were dealing with you were either dealing with an adult in a child's body or a child in an adult body because that's really kind of what you get sometimes these brilliant flashes of insight that you go wow you know that that was an incredibly mature thing and sometimes you're going you're too big to be acting like that <laughs> you know but but this I think this structure really leads students to where they need to be because when they flip into ninth grade now we're kind of expecting these high school kids to be on their own, but that's not always what happens, right? No. Um, I think the the most important thing to take away from all of the curriculum pieces is that um, California moved to a multi-tiered systems of support approach with mental health. And if we always siloed, we have always siloed kind of that 
peer groups or one-on-one um, -on -one counseling, and those aren't going to take off without having a solid framework for everybody, universal language, everything that they've, and building that up by the time you get to high school, our hope is that you don't need as much direct, but. But you can always refer back to this, yeah, right? you can I refer mean, back. Remember, remember in second step when you talked about, yeah. and sources of strength, like I said earlier, we don't stop doing that at mm -hmm. fifth grade. Right. Yeah, it just turns into it's it's a program. So that's different than a curriculum and the program model that runs six through 12. Um, so you have students that can opt in to be trained as what are called peer leaders. Right. And as peer leaders, once they're trained, what they're really working on is sharing these campaigns school wide and challenging their peers to engage in really fun ways. And usually it involves cool T-shirts. So everybody's happy with the swag, um, but which, yeah. which which has the wheel on it. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay. Not all shirts have oh. the wheel, actually. Oh, okay. All shirts do have the, the, logo, the logo on the okay. uh -huh, on the left. But yeah, so, the, you know, the idea is that that gradual release by the time it hits sixth to 12th grade, it's now the students program for right. them to run to say, hey, what helps me with anger, anxiety or sadness and what helps you? And let's normalize this stuff because we all have to manage it. And the more we normalize it, the easier it gets to manage. Well, and I think that that again, and I keep I just keep going back to the academic achievement piece because, you know, we've heard so much about mental health supports yep. and so much about SEL that I think a lot of folks forget that as an educational institution, we're really looking at the academic piece. But we all know that unless we're in the right frame of mind, unless we're in a receptive place, the academics just don't happen. And uh, you, we talked earlier about trauma-informed and what does trauma-informed mean. Um, you know, having worked in the Central Valley, we would get students who would come in, and I'm looking at an eighth-grade student, not here, again, I'm going to say Central Valley, but I'm looking at an eighth-grade student who is living in a community where there are Sereno or Norteño gang members, where the family is making a living by selling narcotics, um, the child's parent just got picked up the night before and booked into jail. And they live in Delano because the other parent is already in prison and that's where they go to visit. And to expect that child to come in at eight o'clock the next morning and write a five paragraph essay for me was unreasonable. They, they weren't ready to do that. And if I didn't understand that, if I wasn't sensitive to that, then it became like we were talking about earlier, Nick, it becomes this kind of confrontational piece, right? And I think that's what we want to try to avoid because statistics show that our county has higher ACEs scores, adverse childhood experiences. We have higher levels of trauma. We have higher levels of abuse, neglect, and those are not reasons why our kids can't achieve. They are conditions that we need to address so that we can see better achievement with our students. So let's talk about what this looks like coming up too, because um, I know in the near future, we've got a couple of different things, um, a couple of really exciting things. And the first one is a series of wellness events that are happening in the community. So what's that look like? That's really exciting. That's a partnership with Del Norte Sources of Strength, um, the Yurok Tribe with Bessie Shorty, Coastal Connections. And we've planned three different what we're naming youth wellness events. Each one has a different theme. 
Um, and the idea is kind of think STEAM fair where students get to go and engage in all these fun resources. But this time it's around those eight protective factors I talked about. Mm -hmm. And we're really focused on mental health and wellness. Well, you talked about seven because we never did get number <laughs> the eight. eight one? <laughs> mentors. Just, it's oh, mentors. Okay, okay. <laughs> I knew there was another person one. So, so yeah, it's great. We're going to start September 23rd is the first one. And so every 12th grader um, will come over to the cultural center. Right. We want them to feel, um, you know, we want them to feel really special, which is why we chose the cultural center. And there will be, a, there's an abundance of adult supports that have signed up. Um, just to connect them with their future and their current. So we'll have folks that are actually, you know, counselors at Del Norte High School helping them with FAFSA if right. they need advice how that happens. Um, we'll have resources all from around the county, for example, Remy Vista and how you might be able to get their services if they need it. And we're really focusing on each event around that grade level of students. So since for this event, we're looking at 12th graders, we're, we're very focused on how can they have a successful rest of their senior year? And then mm -hmm. what are some things they could look forward to? Um, for example, the National Parks is going to be there talking about some of the job openings that they right. have. So we hope that we, um, the theme is strengths and supports, and we hope that the seniors feel very supported when they're done. Um, the next event will be for eighth graders, and that's on October 14th. Mm -hmm. That theme is inclusion and acceptance. Kind of like I was saying earlier, it's not anti-bullying, right? It's inclusion right. and acceptance because that's what we want to see. Um, same same idea, everybody there will be sharing resources and connections around that theme. And then the final one won't be until May 26th with all sixth graders. And can I remember the theme off the top of my head? I can't, so I can't share that theme right now. That's fine. Well, and that's a ways out. Yeah. Um, but I, I think another really interesting thing that is we've had available and um, we're going to continue to roll out because... Um, for folks who aren't aware, September is Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month. Um, it is also um, Attendance Awareness Month. And with all of these structures, with the curriculum, with the programs in place to support students around these, um, going out into the broader community is exceptionally important. And so we have a training called Youth Mental Health First Aid. So... Um, Lisa, are you a trainer of Youth Mental Health First Aid? I am not, but we have two here, both Nick and Taryn. Oh, I just didn't want to leave you out. <laughs> no, I have plenty on my plate now. Thank you. So, Nick, you, Taryn, you want to jump in and talk a little bit about what Youth Mental Health First Aid is and um, maybe give a little teaser about when we may see some of our first trainings? Yeah. Um, youth Mental Health First Aid is really just um, practical skills that you learn, kind of like your CPR card. You you walk away with a, a Youth Mental Health First Aid card that gives you an acronym that you're going to use to assess situations with students as you see come come up, or, or youth, not just students. But um, it's really just being aware of the signs and symptoms of different mental health disorders and just how to approach somebody who may be in crisis. Um, as far as events coming up for that, um, we're going to start doing a monthly training for youth mental health open to the community, not just our educators, but anybody in the community can come. Parents, a other agencies, um, it's just open. The first one's going to take place in October. I don't remember the date that we set. I believe it's towards the end. And yeah, we'll get those up. But, yeah. But in, in. Tell me if I'm wrong, but typically to go to a training like this, if we were to go, wow, this is happening in Medford or this is happening down in Eureka, mm -hmm. you're talking two to $300 a person. Yeah. yeah. And and we're doing it at no cost. 
No cost. And we have had um, people from Coos Bay, Medford, um, Ferndale, uh, different parts of Humboldt. So, yeah. yeah. And when and who are some of the other partners that have already been through uh, this training with you guys? We've done um, county probation. All of their officers, everybody on their team came through on different sessions. We've done most of our school sites have had everybody that um, should have come mm-hmm. go through. Um, we've done different people from behavioral health, um, and then just different private agencies as well. Remy, um, and again, some of the outside, uh, there was, a the service, other service providers. Yeah. A a therapy provider out of, um, Ferndale. And I can't remember what it's called. It's when they ride the horses, that, (laughs) that type of therapy. Um, their whole team came up. Yeah, a lot of times people travel pretty far to Mm -hmm. get this training. So um, just think about how geographically isolated we are. It's a a huge advantage to have it here and to have it be free. Well, and I have to thank the two of you because it wasn't easy for you to get the training. And then there were a few years that you had to do a certain number. Um, and it's it really has spread and you've continued to, you know, kind of lead that charge and, and involve more people. Right. So I think that's been great. We get very positive feedback. Yeah. We, we really haven't gotten any negative feedback about the training, but it's also it's not our curriculum. So I can't credit it to us. It's a fantastic curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, and people th- receive it well. Sorry. I think it's a great communal goal. And we're hoping to meet our goal of 160 people trained in the community every year here in Del Norte. And that's why we are going to put the word out far and wide and try and get everyone engaged because it is just great to have in your back pocket in order to address student need. Well, and the question that I even asked before we started the podcast was, so you're you're not law enforcement, you're not first responder, you're not a mental health provider, you're not a service provider, you're a parent, you're a grandparent, um, you're a foster parent. I would just like to have the training. Is it available to anybody in our community? And the answer was... Yes. yes, they have to be 18 or older. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be 18, or, 18 older, or older, but but it is open. So once we once we push that information out, you can find it on our website. Um, it'll be on our app. If you haven't downloaded the app, you can find that on iTunes or Play Store. Um, get that out and we'll we'll push that information out as soon as we have it. And again, it's free. It's free. And, and we're a part of a network as well. And if we need to go somewhere, if an agency wants that, we can do that as well. We went to the Yurok Justice Center and did their whole crew down there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, just reach out. It, it's just a matter of what what our folks around the table here with me today can actually fit into their day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's how we did probation is they mm-hmm. asked us to just train their group. So absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, as we as we continue to build this out, I think the things that we have to look forward to in the upcoming months and maybe years, um, and I know Lisa, you and Nick have worked with me on this, is we have a big grant coming in. It's the Mental Health uh, Student Services Act. Um, it's going to be about $2.5 million. It's in conjunction with um, Del Norte Health and Human Services, the Behavioral Services uh, uh, Department. And ultimately, what we're going to be seeing come out of that are some um, kind of wellness centers, right? Community wellness pieces, NAMI centers. Um, Can you guys talk a little bit about what that's going to look like? Yeah, that's going to be our major funder to make sure those pieces happen. Um, It is in conjunction with a lot of other grants that we have. Um, 
but our student wellness centers are going to target our secondary sites first, our high school and Sunset. And then um, as we can, hopefully all at the same time, Crescent Elk as well. And if everything goes well, then also a traveling mobile unit that would house staff that can hit all the outliers across the community. Um, each wellness center is going to be focused on um, trying to, well, at that secondary level, include NAMI on campus. Um, and, and, and NAMI stands for? I the think National, it's the National Alliance, Alliance of Mental Illness. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, and it's a it's a great um, student club because it, it comes with if you're going to be a part of it you have to sit through trainings you get um, some relevant things not youth mental health first aid but similar type of trainings that right. you're going to sit through you get the opportunity to learn about again mental illness and disorders but also jobs around those fields and so it's just a broad look at ways to be involved with. Um, mental health in your community. Yeah. So student opportunities of helping themselves, helping their friends, others, relatives, it becomes really important in how we build out our system and ensuring that kids know how to get help when they need it and for whom they need it. And NAMI and other wellness centers help kids with access mm -hmm. and then those professional level services that they may need. So again, I think some big things on the horizon and while our community, I'm just going to reiterate this because I've heard people say, well, when are you guys going to focus on academics? I think these are all, like I said earlier, the preconditions for learning. Social emotional learning, social emotional activities, all of these things don't take the place of English, math, science, history, physical education, elective, CTE. They enhance it. They put kids in a place where they're more... Uh, receptive and more able to learn more effectively. And um, so I think it's amazing work that the three of you have done. And I don't th think what a lot of folks know is the three of you really um, were tasked with bringing all of these things forward. And you've been carrying these huge, um, uh, uh, what word am I looking for? I was going to say burdens, but it's really not a burden. Feels because like you're a helping. responsibility. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> but, but I have to tell you, you know, as we talk to other places, you guys get all kinds of kudos um, from much larger counties, much larger districts who have teams of people doing what the three of you are pulling off here in Del Norte. And people are calling you and asking you for advice because of the quality of the programs that we have available for our kids here locally. Small rural has its advantages for sure. And yeah. we can literally outreach every family that we serve in Del Norte County one way or another to ensure that we can connect them with the services they want for their children. So I just want to say thank you to the three of you. Remind all of our families that we have counseling support services at every school site. We have family liaisons at most of our school sites. Um, you have access to the Del Norte Wellness Center page that you can go to. Um, also for families who may need to, you know, look at what the family needs. We also have the Connect Del Norte website that will link you to supports for um, food, jobs, um, health. health, education, um, a lot of resources. And again, it's to make Del Norte a healthier place and to make 
kids better prepared to learn. So I want to thank the three of you again for joining me on this uh, hot day. (laughs) This is our fall summer, right? And um, this was a long podcast, but a lot of great information. Uh, So again, thank you for the work that you've done. If you have additional questions and you're listening to the podcast, you can go to dnusd.org slash families. A lot of the information is there. Or feel free to give us a call at 464-6141 and we can hook you up with the right person. So we look forward to information coming out um, on all the upcoming events and trainings. uh, And we hope everybody has a great weekend. We wish you well. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.